Today's gospel comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when this will be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Be aware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pains. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. When you think about what scripture you want maybe for a final Sunday, you will hear wars, <laughs> rumors of wars, right? Nation against nation, kingdom of kingdom. This would not be my first choice. And yet the more I thought about it and studied and prepared it, actually, at some level, I think is very appropriate, not just for here, Holy Trinity, but for our lives in general. A little bit about Mark, because... Three most important rules in reading Scripture are, right? What is going on and why might this have been written and passed on during the day? Mark, the earliest of the Gospels uh, most scholars believe to be that was written sometime between 65-75 A.D., so we're looking at 30-40 years after Jesus. And a huge moment that was going on during that time or was about to occur or just had occurred is the destruction of the temple, right? The place of faith and life where it is believed that God on earth dwelled, that holy of holies, that room in the center of it, that they had to make pilgrimages to, that their life revolved around. And Rome had come in around 70 A.D. and had pretty much leveled it. There's some remnants of it left today, right? If you go to Jerusalem, you can see where it was, but it is not the structure that it was then. And for that to be destroyed, you have to be wondering, what in the world is going on? This is not the way we thought life was going to be. Has anybody ever felt that feeling before? <laughs> what is going on? And so we always have to remember when Scripture is written down, the Scripture that is chosen to pass on is meant to help interpret the events that are going on of that day, of that time in which the people are living in. They aren't necessarily just interested in recording history to have an accurate record. They are more interested in what things mean, why this is happening. So that destruction of the temple is either imminent or it has just occurred. And they are wondering why. And so Jesus speaks to that. Essentially, Jesus is saying, keep calm. Carry on. This is not 
the end. I want to read a quote from you. I mean, tell me, I want you to, if you know who said it, and if you know about what year it was said, all right? Children now love luxury. They have bad manners, they have bad manners, contempt for authority, they show disrespect for elders, and they love chatter and the place of exercise. Any idea who said that and when it was said? Socrates, about the year 350 B.C. If you think this generation is going to hell in a handbasket, every generation has said that, essentially since the beginning of time. Can we please keep that in mind? Your parents thought it about you. Their parents thought it about them. Their parents thought it about them. So it helps can we please have some perspective when it seems like the world is falling apart. Every generation has thought the world is falling apart. 350 B.C. Socrates, children love luxury. Children now love luxury. Sounds like that could have been said today, right? Socrates said it. Now what's going on in this time of Scripture when the temple is being destroyed? They are wondering what is going on. The world is falling apart. We have said it now, haven't we? You turn on the news and how many people think the world is falling apart. What you are feeling is not new. You are not the first people to, we are not the first, first people to experience it, feel it, and I'm willing to bet we won't be the last ones to feel or experience it, correct? Our kids will grow up and look back at a younger generation and say, oh my gosh, you guys have it so easy. You don't even realize it. Because we said it about them, our parents said it about us, their parents said it about them. The question remains is, when we are feeling like the world is falling apart, which everybody does, how do we respond to it? What do we do? As I was reading, this is why I got emotional. This is such a sacred job I get to do up here. And one of the things that I really uh, have find such great privilege in is being able to announce forgiveness. Right? I'm not the one forgiving you. I'm proclaiming God's forgiveness for you. But as we're reading the for, uh, reading the confession. Listen to some of these things that I think is in response to we feel like the world is falling apart. Therefore, we live in that mentality. We live in that fear, which I think in the end only makes things worse. But this is it. We confess that we have sinned against you and against our neighbor. We have built walls instead of tables and turned away from the stranger. Nobody does that, do they? We have sought glory from ourselves. 
and have treasured that which does not satisfy. When we feel like the end is near, all is going to hell to a handbasket, who or what generally becomes the primary object of our security and safety? Ourselves. Right? I better protect myself. Because if, or I better hurt you before you hurt me. That doesn't happen in the world today, does it? You see what I'm talking about? Jesus is speaking into this moment. He's saying, take a deep breath. This is not the end. He uses it to uh, birth pains, labor, right? I've never gone through labor. I've witnessed my wife go through it three times. It doesn't seem to be a very pleasant experience. And yet, what has come through comes from those three not-so-pleasant experiences. A love that physically aches within you, right? The beauty that comes forth. See, Christ is saying, you're right, it sucks right now at times. Do you think that is how it's always going to be? And is that the way you're going to live? Or do we have hope for what is to come? And that is the life that we are called to live. Understanding what the future hope is and how do we embody it now in the present. The future hope is one where peace is the only thing that we know. That love is the overriding emotion that encompasses and engulfs our lives. How do we do our best to live into that reality that is not quite here yet, but we do get glimpses of, don't we? We do have experiences of. I think that might be something for Holy Trinity to keep in mind also. Anybody have a little bit of anxiety when they hear that I'm moving on and you're going to be without a pastor for the time being? I have a little bit of anxiety moving on. My wife has some anxiety moving on. The question remains, when we are faced with a time of anxiety, what do we allow to guide us and make our decisions moving forward? Do we base those in fear? Do we base them in hope? Are they rooted in only what is that most prevailing emotion at that time, fear or anxiety, or do we base them in what we know is going to be and what God is calling us toward? How do we live into that despite other things that might be going on within us? I love this quote from Martin Luther. This is one of the things that really keeps me uh, within uh, the Lutheran tradition. ELCA, I love Martin Luther quotes. Now, half of them you probably can't say because he had a pretty vulgar mouth if you didn't know that. But, he had a whole lot of other things also. 
And a really simple one is that Luther said, even if I knew the world would go to pieces tomorrow, I would still plant my apple tree. Even if I knew the world was going to pieces tomorrow, I'd still plant my apple tree, right? Where it may seem like, why plant the apple tree? Tomorrow it might be destroyed. It's fruitless to do. It's useless to do. Why would you do that? Instead, why not just do something else, right? And not just an apple you plant an apple tree, how long is it going to take before you actually see the fruit from that apple tree? Years. And what Luther is encouraging us to do is to play the long game. We don't like playing the long game, do we? We like instant gratification, don't we? As great as the technology of cell phones is, to keep in touch, to communicate, Right? I mean, we have more power in our hand here than I think what NASA did when they sent someone to the moon. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. What a great gift we have. And I feel like having Chinese tonight. I think I can have it delivered to my door in 15 minutes. I'm out of toilet paper. Right? And it just shows up. We are so used to instant gratification. And God calls us to play the long game. To name the reality that, not to ignore it, let's be honest, right? Ignorance is bliss, is not what we are called to. Although that would be easier, wouldn't that be nice? But to name the reality we are in, that's another thing that keeps me within the ELCA tradition, within the Lutheran tradition. We, we've said this before, we are theologians of the cross, we name things for what they are. Right? Name it. Name it. And then move on from it. God has a hope, has a future. Yes, for you individually, but more to the point for the world collectively. The question we ask ourselves, we are in those times that the Jewish people of day felt was going on around them when everything seemed to be falling apart, in which they thought the end of the world was coming tomorrow. What does it look like for you, for me, for us to plant our apple tree today? Feeling like, why are we doing this? Is there really any You know, wonder sometimes if maybe Luther didn't know about bamboo. Does anyone know about how bamboo grows? It takes, I think it's like years. And then next thing you know, it just shoots up. And you wonder, where did this come from? And it's not that things just happen immediately one day and then the next, but that there was all this care and cultivation that took place prior to that you do not see. And it is from that that all of a sudden the bamboo shoots up and it seems like it's overnight. Does that make sense? It can be really frustrating to do that work and feel like you're not seeing any results, correct? It is really easy to give up. The work of the church is to persevere. The work of the church is to endure.
the work of the church is to give a voice that the rest of the world says is pointless or useless and says you're crazy. Love doesn't win. Money wins. Might wins. War wins. But our hope is that's not the true story. Our hope is God on the Christ one. And in doing so, it affects everything else. What happened to Christ will happen to the entire creation. Death will not end. Love does. May you live lives of love and joy and be able to cling to that hope when everything is falling down the My last call, I would do a monthly service at uh, an assisted living facility, uh, in hospice facility, where some of the patients would be able to come in with their walkers. Out of the 15, one or two of them would maybe be able to walk themselves, but a handful of them would have to be brought in uh, by wheelchair and someone would push them. I always was able to pick. Um, you know, we kind of had this spiral-bound hymnal to pick the gathering hymn, whatever it was. Um, had to be something that our pianist Judy uh, at the time could play. And then we read scripture, and then we preach, or I preach, and then we pray and receive communion. And then they always ended with this hymn: "God be with you till we meet again," which in that setting literally was true. Because there would be weeks in which someone who was there on one Tuesday, when I came back a month later, would not be there the following Tuesday. At some level, that really could be sung every Sunday we gather, right? Life is fragile, isn't it? We experience tragedy, we experience heartache. When we walk out the door, when you walk out the door in the morning, there is nothing guaranteed. Perhaps the only thing guaranteed is what this hymn speaks to. God be with you. No matter what comes, you are not alone. God's love never runs out. So I simply want to say thank you. I thank you for the trust that you gave me over these last four years. I thank you for the compassion and generosity that you embraced me and my family with, knowing that you would have to listen to my thoughts for about 15 minutes every Sunday, and you still showed up knowing that was the case. <laughs> so thank you for the privilege it was to be your pastor. And I look forward to the fact that now I simply get to be your friend. That relationship changes. And no matter what comes forward, when I walk out for this final time, when you walk out for this final time, I hope you hear it said to you over and over God be with you till we meet again. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Pastor Tim has left Holy Trinity to take a position at Lutheran World Relief. Over the next few weeks, Holy Trinity will have a few supply pastors on Sunday mornings until we find an interim pastor. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.